Welcome to To Every Generation, the broadcast ministry of Calvary Chapel Crossfields, located in Jamesburg, New Jersey, where we teach through the entire Bible, verse by verse, and make application to every generation so we can grow in our relationship with God. Okay, um, some of you, I, I can't believe it's been seven or eight years uh, since we looked at the book of Jonah. It just seems like yesterday. But we're going to go into the book of Jonah, and I'm going to read it first, just chapter one. And then we're going to go through some things, uh, some of the things that we're going to introduce you to in the book of Jonah wasn't around seven or eight years ago, not all of it. Not all of it was happening. So we're going to look at some current things that I believe that the Lord wants all of us to know. So if you go with me to Jonah chapter 1, I'm just going to read it and then we'll get in uh, to some of the PowerPoint and some of the teaching. So Jonah chapter 1, we're going to, I'm going to read verses 1 through 17. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise! Go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, and he went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea, to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest part of the ship, had laid down, and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise. Go call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? So he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more temptuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land. But they could not, for the sea continued to grow more temptuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life. And do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Lord, I just pray that in the next half hour that we have together, that you would just really just open up your word to us. And maybe this is the 10th, 15th time that we've read the book of Jonah. I pray that all of us, including myself, will see things that you want us to see for 2015. And we just ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now, most of you know the story of Jonah. It's a great story. It's one of my favorite stories. And at the men's group, uh, we were, uh, uh, Carlos and I were, I guess, put on the spot 
we could say that to teach. So you always have to be ready in season and out of season. So two books that I'm always ready with are Jonah and the Book of Ruth. Those are two of my favorite books in the whole scripture. So um, when we got into it on Saturday, I was still praying about what to teach next since we spent about two years in the Book of Romans. So I like to go from new to old and then back to the new. So one of the choices was Job. One of the choices was um, Jonah. So based on what happened in the men's meeting, I think the Lord just uh, tickled my heart and said, let's go with Jonah. So what I want to look at right now, like I said, most of you know the story, but I want you to look. I found this on the map today. And you see uh, Joppa. Now we're going to, we read and we'll go back in a second, but Joppa was the port that Jonah went to to run away from the Lord. Um, Jonah lived a little bit above Joppa, and we'll show you on another map about where he lived. It was just around Nazareth, um, right off the Sea of Galilee. So God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh. Okay, now Nineveh was in Assyria. It's in present-day Iraq. And you can see that he went down to Joppa, and then he took a ship, and he was heading to Tarshish. So you can see that from Nineveh to where he was trying to run away to was 2,694 miles, which is a lot of miles for you and I today, yet alone back then when they just had ships and horses and their feet. Okay, so that's a haul. So I want you to think of the distance he was willing to travel to run away from the Lord. How far are you and I willing to travel to run away from our God? Okay, let's see what we got here. Three books are always attacked by Satan. Three books are always ridiculed and thought of as mythology by the secular world. That is the book of Genesis. Why? Because that's the beginning of everything. It's the beginning of man, it's the beginning of the world, it's the beginning of sin, it's the beginning of salvation. Everything is in the book of Genesis, all the beginnings. It was the beginning of pagan religions, which, by the way, started in Assyria. With one of the kings we'll look at today, you know him as Nimrod. You'll see his other name a little later in the teaching today. So Genesis, they say, is a mythology mythological book. It's a lie. It's a lie of the enemy. He's trying to discredit it. He, that's one of his strategies. The other book is the book of Daniel. Daniel that has prophecies in it for back then, but also future prophecies leading up to the end of the world. But the greatest prophecy is Daniel 9, where it talks about our Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, riding in to Jerusalem, as we know on, a, on Palm Sunday. It's right there in the Jewish scriptures, but most of them are still missing it because they're tied up in good works rather than what God says in his word. So the devil tries to discredit Daniel. The other book he tries to discredit is Jonah because when you think of it, how could anyone, how could a fish swallow a man? But even in secular history, there are men that have been found in huge fishes or whales. Some have been rescued and resuscitated. Some have been dead. And when they opened up the fish, they found that their skin was bleached because of the gastric juices of the fish. Jesus Christ refers to Jonah in the New Testament where he talks about his very resurrection, just as Jonah was going to be in the belly of the fish three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the earth. So Satan tries to attack these books more than any of the other books for a reason. These are literal books. The God who created you, the God who could create the heavens, the stars, the moon, the sun, the planets, the Jesus that walked on the water. He's the God of the impossible. Can he put you into a fish? Yes. Yes, he can because he is the God who created the heavens and the earth. He can do all things. Okay. Iran. 
is building missile sites in Syria, in the Middle East, in the area of Assyria, where the old Assyria used to be. But what I'm reading right now are some headlines from some newspapers, current, and current headlines from some internet news. The troubling math of Muslim migration. Under it, the, the subtitle was Preventing a Paris-style attack is, in part, a numbers game. Americans don't seem to be paying attention. The Muslim population is growing throughout the world, not only over in the Middle East. It's growing. Uh, Muslim families here in this country have anywhere from five to nine people in their family. Okay? I have a friend who has a, um, that played bat. Two of the boys played basketball for me. They have, uh, the husband and wife has five children. I think the average American has like one or two kids, except for Carlos and maybe a couple other people. There you go. We got some people that have more than just a couple kids, but the average American doesn't have that many children anymore like they used to. So there's an um, increase in the amount of Muslims in the world. Denny, uh, Pastor Denny who was here, who's over in right off the coast of Saudi Arabia. He was here on a Sunday, I believe. He ministers to Muslims. In his newsletters, he's saying how many Muslims are coming to Christ through visions and dreams. So God is working mightily in the hearts of men and women, boys and girls who are truly seeking him. That's awesome. The White House rejects radical Islam as a label for terrorists. They're trying to be politically correct. Even though those same radicals are Islamic, who are calling out the name of Allah and Muhammad as a prophet before they blow themselves up or they murder innocent women and children and men. Um, this is a recent headline. The Jewish-owned D.C. business targeted by self-described ISIS militants was just in the newspapers a couple days ago. Jihad. The word jihad among Muslims is a war or struggle against unbelievers. So one of the meanings, and that's what the radical Muslims used, it's a jihad, it's a jihad, it's a war or struggle against anybody who doesn't believe in their God, the pagan God, Allah. Allah is not the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He is not the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. It's a foreign God, yet there are churches that are trying to mix them together, that they're all one God. That's a lie of the enemy, and it doesn't matter from what church it comes from. Just read your Bible, you'll see. It's a totally different God. Um, the Muslims who aren't into the killing and the pillaging of people that are just believe that they love God and are seeking him, they say that jihad is a spiritual struggle within oneself against sin. Okay? Jesus Christ says our heart is wicked. You and I cannot go internally and try to battle the sin that rages within our hearts. Only a savior can save you from your sin. You cannot save yourself from yourself. Okay, that's another lie of the enemy. There's a word caliphate. Um, caliphate is an Islamic state. It's led by a caliph, if I'm saying that right, who is a political and religious leader who is a successor to the Islamic prophet Muhammad. His power and authority is absolute. Just wanted to give you some terminology that's really spreading out there. You're reading in the paper and you might not have had a definition where you're seeing it um, like I'm trying to show you here tonight. ISIS, the Islamic State, okay? ISIS has accomplished more in a few months than Al-Qaeda has since the attacks on 9-11. They have accomplished more more terrorists, more murders than since 9-11, okay? 
They're, they're spreading over in the Middle East right now. Innocent people, you've read about it, are being beheaded. They're being killed. Al-Qaeda recruits Arab Muslims from the Mideast, and they use them in regional wars in their region. That's what Al-Qaeda does. But ISIS, they recruit Muslim men from the West to fight in jihad, a physical struggle, okay? A, a conquering struggle like their uh, prophet Muhammad. They follow what he did. He was a murderer. He was pillaging people. He wasn't a religious man in the sense of the people who followed the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, what happens with ISIS when they recruit men from the West and women? The survivors, they don't die in their struggle. When they are allowed to go back home to the United States or the United Kingdom or other countries, you've got to understand they're skilled military people now. They're callous. They're military machines. They've bought in to the ISIS mentality um, of jihad and a caliphate state, a caliphate nation. Our attorney general, general recently requested his European counterparts to do something to stem the flow of the fighters, to try to stop these radical Muslims from spreading. Understand, it's the same attorney general when they had the million march against terrorism. In, uh, I guess it was in Paris the other day. It was a no-show. He was right there in the country. But he didn't go. There were other leaders. Benjamin Netanyahu was there. Other leaders from other nations were there as a solidarity unit against these Muslims. There was a million people standing together saying we're coming against what's going on in this world. But yet no representative from the United States of America was there. Shame on us. Shame on this country for not sending one representative there. Even if it was just one of our generals, somebody to represent. Al-Qaeda never controlled a whole country. Okay, they never controlled a whole country. ISIS is conquering city after city, and they're on verge on becoming a jihad nation. Okay, that's what they want. They want to conquer one nation after another nation. ISIS uses the use of social media to spread its cause and terror. It's fantastic. They're right on with the technology of today. They're using every device they can to spread their message throughout the world. In Ezekiel 28, 1 to 10, it talks about the prince of Tyre, or Tyre. Okay? If you look here, Tyre, or Tyre, is right here on the coast. Right here. Here's Lebanon. Here's Israel. Here's Tyre. Okay? And in Ezekiel 28, it talks about that. It talks about the prince of Tyre. What I want to zero in right now is on Ezekiel 28, 11 to 19. It's the king of Tyre. Now, the prince of Tyre in Ezekiel 1 to 10, it will say he's a man. It says he's a human being. There's no mistake if you read 1 to 10. However, when you go to Ezekiel 28, you will see that the king of Tyre is none other than Satan himself. He was the king of that region. Okay, he was the king in that area. And the prince of Tyre was like the Antichrist is going to come one day. He was doing the bidding of Satan. Satan used him to carry out his will. In Jude 1.9, it says, Yet Michael the archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses. He did not bring against him a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord rebuke you. You see, in, if you read Ezekiel 28, 1 to 19, or the whole chapter, you'll see that the king of Tyre, Satan himself, and most of you know this, was a creation of God. He's not an equal to God. He's a creation. 
God kicked him out of heaven like a lightning bolt. He was gone. Satan out of here. Bang, he's gone. Satan can't fight against God. Okay? He can't, he can't beat up God unless God, like he did with his son, allowed himself to be crucified on a cross. But Jesus laid down his life freely. Now, I want to go through some names and some of the meanings as we're still doing like an intro into Jonah. Jonah's name means dove. And when you think of a dove, you think of love. You think of peace. I want you to also remember that a dove is also what Noah sent to, after the flood to find out if there was any land, and he brought back an olive branch. But a dove also can be used to bring messages. And we know that Jonah was asked by God to bring a message to the Ninevites. Amittai was his dad. His dad's name means my truth. Okay? Remember, our dad, through Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That's truth. Tarshish, where, Mo, um, Moses, where Jonah tried to get to, that long journey, which is in Spain, okay, means yellow jasper. It's a gem, a precious gem. Um, the pagan world uses it as a, like a crystal, and it is a stability gemstone. Just remember that. It's, it's for stability. Like if you're anxious and you're all over the place and you don't have a calm spirit, the pagans say, well, get these crystals, get the yellow jasper, and that'll calm your spirit. Leave it on your windowsill, you know, and it'll calm your spirit. Joppa, that's the port where Jonah went down to, to go into the boat to go to Tarshish, to leave from God. That is beautiful. Remember, that name means beautiful. It became the primary port of Jerusalem during the reign of King Solomon. But it's right on the coast like we saw. Hebrew. The word Hebrew. One from beyond. And we're, we saw that in the reading and we'll go back to it. Just remember, it's one from beyond. And I'll say this to you. If you're a believer here tonight, you're one from beyond. You're an eternal person. You're an eternal person with a message. There's some Jonah in you too. And there's some Jonah in me. God has a message he wants us to bring. Okay. There's a bigger picture of Nineveh, Babylon, modern-day Iraq, and, of course, Jerusalem. And I'll leave that up there now until we have to go back. Let's get into our teaching. Okay, now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. The word of the Lord is coming to you every time we sit down and open up his word. When you hide his word in your heart, God is speaking to you. He wants to speak to you all the time. Do we avail, our, avail ourselves to him so he can speak his word to us? In verse 2, Arise, go to Nineveh that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. I talked tonight about the radical Muslims. Uh, I think the title of the message is God loves people and wants everybody to be saved, including the radical Muslims, including atheist Americans, including anyone. doesn't matter if you're a person. He, he doesn't want anybody to perish, but all to be saved. Okay, it doesn't matter who. There are radical Muslims that have come to faith in Jesus Christ, and now they are preaching the word among radical Muslims. God is good. So you have here Jonah try, told to go to Nineveh. Now, I gave you a pretty quick synopsis of what's going on, so let's do this way. God wants you to go to Iraq today or Syria tomorrow and wants you to preach a message of repentance. Wants you to go into that area that if you are caught preaching the gospel, they will behead you. This is what fear, this is what 
um, hang-up that Jonah had. He's upset at the Ninevites. He can't stand the Ninevites. They're a barbaric nation. When they conquer you, they behead you. When they conquer you, they'll take your military men and they'll put hooks, fish hooks through your nose and string it and bring you through the streets, parading you as their trophies because of conquering you. They would torture people barbarically, very much like ISIS is doing today, from the same area too, from that same region. I believe where the most turmoil, the most uh, things are happening, I believe Satan still has a hold over that region, that he's still king of that area, spiritually speaking. He is the prince of the power of the air. He's, he's doing what he's doing to try to eliminate the nation of Israel. He's coming into our country through his demonic army, and he's trying to get people in our country who are believers in Jesus Christ to go against the Jewish world, to think that there's something wrong with them. Think about the spiritual battles of Ephesians 6. Our war is against principalities and powers. Well, where are they? I think the heavier demons and all are with the government leaders throughout the world. The ones who aren't following Jesus Christ are open influences to the demonic influences of, of Satan and his generals and his colonels and his lieutenants. And they're, and they're listening to him because they don't have any spiritual guidance. They're lost. They need to be prayed for. Okay, Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. How do you and I flee from the presence of the Lord? We might not have to go far. We might check it out just in our own spirit. Well, for the next six hours, I'm running away from the Lord. I'll come back to him later. How do you and I run from the Lord? He went down to Joppa. Remember what Joppa meant? Beautiful. Beautiful port, probably beautiful area, right on the Mediterranean. It had to be beautiful. Sometimes God uses beautiful things to take you away from the Lord. But understand, when that happens, you're going down. Instead of going up, instead of coming before the Lord, Pastor Paul, with his teachings in Psalms, the ascent Psalms, they're moving up into the presence of the Lord. They're going to Jerusalem. They're going to the temple where the Shekinah glory is behind the Holy of Holies. They're going up. Jonah's going down. And you're going to see a spiraling down tonight. He's going to go down more than just down to Joppa. Be careful of the beautiful things that attract you that lead you away from Jesus. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare. Now that ship, there's always a ship to take you away from the Lord. The demonic world will make sure there's always something to lure you away from the things of God. Can be entertainment, can be music, can be a friend, can be an actual vehicle. Okay, but understand when you're going away from the Lord, okay, you are going down out of the presence of, the God, of God. And notice what happens in the second part of three. You pay a fare. There's a price you will pay for going away from the Lord. You're going to pay a price. Okay? Jonah paid a fare. He paid money. He lost money on this deal. He's moving away from the Lord. There's more he's going to pay because he's still keeping going away from the Lord. And he went down into it. Went down where? Into the ship. He kept going down. He not only went down to Joppa, he went down into the ship. When you go away from the Lord, it's not a one-step journey, spiritually speaking. It continues down and down and down, either to your death or until the almighty grace and mercy of the Lord wakes, grabs you, shakes you, wakes you, you repent, and you turn back to go to him. Where are you tonight? What are you messing with that is bringing you away from the Lord that the Lord is saying, stop. 
I love you so much. Here's my grace and mercy. Turn, follow me. Let go of everything that's beautiful that's pulling you away from me because there's no beauty greater than Jesus Christ in a relationship with him. There's no beauty better than that. There's nothing greater. He's the most beautiful thing in the whole world. Nothing to compare. Nothing will ever compare to the beauty of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 4, But the Lord set, sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for controlling the elements. Thank you for being able to say, send the wind when Moses needed the wind to push back the sea. Thank you for sending the wind to drive the locust into the Red Sea after he took away the locust plague. Thank you for stirring up the waters in the Sea of Galilee for the apostles to say, Master, wake up. Don't you care? We're going to perish. For them to see the power of the living God through the natural elements that come around. Thank you, Lord, for Sandy when it came here. For so many people who dedicated their lives to the Lord and how many people came out of the woodwork to help those in need. Thank you, Jesus. In, in, in tragedy, you were made known to be strong and mighty and merciful and loving and just bringing people in. Thank you, Jesus, for that. Thank you for using your creation to wake and shake people who are sleeping with what's going on throughout history. And one day we're going to meet those people who the Lord woke up to bring them into the kingdom. The Lord sometimes needs to break us up. I asked for a prayer tonight that between 10 and 11, a couple of people that we love dearly, that God will break their spirits and their hearts. Because just like he has broken your heart and my heart and build it back up in him, he wants to do that to everybody, including ISIS and Al-Qaeda and, and everybody who's against him because they, they are his creation. He doesn't want them to perish. Remember, hell was only created for the devil and his angels. God says no one, sends no one to hell except the devil and his angels. Everybody else chooses to go there because they reject Jesus Christ. Verse 5, Then the mariners were afraid. And every man cried out to his God. Notice it's a small g. And threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down. Remember what I said before? He keeps going down. He's going down into the lowest parts of the ship. Figuring the further he gets away from everybody, the less he'll have to deal with the consequences. And look what he did. He lays down and the dope was fast asleep. He didn't care about the people on the deck. He didn't care about the people in the world who were perishing. He wanted his comfort zone. He just walked away from the Lord and kept going down, down in denial that everything was okay. He figured if he could fall asleep and everything was warm and comfortable, everything else wouldn't matter out there. But while he's sleeping, all those poor guys up on the top were fearing for their lives. But God loves those people. Remember that. As much as he loved Jonah, as much as he loved the rabbis and, and the priests back in Jerusalem who were worshiping him, as much as he loved the Ninevites who were paganly going against him, he loved all those people the same. He loves everybody the same. There's no distinction at the cross of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter who you are. Verse 6, so the captain came to him and said, what do you mean, sleeper? He was out. Sleeper, he's out. He's like clueless. He has no idea what's going on. So he goes, what do you mean, sleeper? Rise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. Think about it. Their gods weren't rescuing them. Their gods were not answering them. So they said, well, maybe there's another God. Who is this guy that took the ship with us? Let's go find out. Maybe he has a God that's different than us. Let's check what's going on with him. 
And they said to one another, oh, one other thing in verse 6, when it's the nitty-gritty, when it's down to the last hours or minutes of your life, when you're in a plane that's going to crash, when you're in a car wreck and you know you're pinned in and you're losing a lot of blood, when you get a report of a terminal illness, that is when you will know what you believe. That is when you know if you're serious about your faith. That is when I remember a man burned from a napalm bomb in Vietnam standing in a church saying, if you're in a foxhole and the faith that you have doesn't get you through the foxhole, change your faith. Change it. Find a faith that's going to carry you through life and death, basically is what he was saying. Verse 7, And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Now these were pagan guys, and they had a thing where there was a stone or, or just the last straw. What's the longest straw? Whatever way they did it. And God honored them because God uses sometimes the foolish things or the things of the world to try to get a hold of the people he loves. So of all the people on the ship who draws the lot, the lot of the one who's causing this problem or the reason this problem is coming, it's Jonah. So right away the guys are saying in verse 8, please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation? Where are you coming from? What is your country? And of what people are you? So now they've zeroed in. But just think of the grace of God in this storm that when it's push come to shove, they found the guy with the real God who's following, even though he's running away. He believes in the real God. They found him. God is not only working on Jonah, I want you to see, but he's working on the people that don't even know him yet. God is working on you, but there's circumstances in our world, in our country, over in Paris, over in the Middle East, over in Iraq and Iran and Syria, that God is getting people's attention. And men are trying to quadrant off the country, saying, no God but Allah, no prophet but Muhammad. And God is so awesome, he's speaking to them and appearing to them in visions and dreams, as our scripture says he will do. That is exciting, that nothing that man does, can stop our Lord Jesus Christ. And think of Psalm 2. The Lord is in the heavens laughing at the nations who are raging against him. So he said to them, this is in verse 9, this is Jonah. So he said to them, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea and the dry land. Remember what Hebrew meant? Anybody write that down? From beyond, right? From beyond. Thank you. So here's the guy from beyond. What do you mean he's from beyond? Yeah, from a um, geographical and historical, he came from beyond a region and went to the land flowing with milk and honey. But he's also a man that has come beyond the normal life and belief system of the world. He knew the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He believed in the one true God. He feared him, but he didn't fear him enough because he was running from the very God he feared. So does Jonah actually think he's stronger than the fear, like that respect and reverence he has for God, that God's just going to let him go? He's just going to let him keep going? The God that loves him? No. God loves you and me too much to let us go and destroy ourselves. He'll do everything in his power to get us to turn back, to love him with our free will, knowing that there's no other place we can go except to his feet and worship and to praise him. Help me with my verse, guys. Ten? Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord. 
because he had told them. How many times do we boast? Ah, I believe in the Lord, but you know, I've been sort of sowing my oats lately. I've been just feeling good. But I know the Lord. I'm a Christian. I'll be in church on Wednesday and Sunday. But I'm going to do this tonight. Jonah told these guys, okay, that he was running from them. Sometimes we're very foolish in what we think and say to people when it is not the Lord's will for our life. Verse 11, then he said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more temptuous. It was getting worse. So while all this is going on, this conversation is going, they're probably moving back and forth, falling over, having this conversation with Jonah. It's got to be chaos. It's got to be nuts. The rock and the moving. The ship, guys are probably getting sick. They're probably being knocked down on the thing. It's like chaos all around them. Jonah, who knew God, took his eyes off God. Just like Peter, coming out of the boat, took his eyes off Jesus when Jesus told him to come on the water. Whenever you and I take our eyes off of Jesus Christ and circumstances in our life, good or bad, we're going to sink. We're going to get beat up by the storm that's in our lives at the time. So Jonah goes in verse 12, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Now we're seeing the heart of Jonah. He doesn't want the people to perish as a result of his sin of running from the Lord. He didn't want that to happen. So he's saying, okay, guys, just throw me over and everything will be okay. Just toss me overboard. Our God did that, you know. When he came and died on the cross, he took our sin upon himself so that we wouldn't perish and die. So in this sense, we see a shadow. We see a foreshadowing of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that when somebody was going to be thrown overboard, it was going to save the life of the men on the ship. Jesus Christ died on the cross to save your life and mine and anybody who accepts him into their heart. Interesting, we see the heart of the men in verse 13. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not. For the sea continued to grow more temptuous against them. What great hearts these guys had. They didn't want to throw Jonah over, even though he's telling them to. They didn't want that. So what did they try to do? They tried to rely on their physical strength and prowess to row and beat the very creator God who's causing the storm. Good luck. They're trying to row against the waves. Picture the waves, how big they must be and how strong, and how these guys are trying to row against to get back to the land. You've got to love their heart to not kill Jonah. But again, we're just foolish sheep who think we can get out of our own situations without allowing Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of everything in our, in our lives, good and bad. Just give it to Him. What are you holding on to that you're trying to, through your humanness, trying to overcome? Give it to Him. Pastor Paul played Surrender, right? Song Surrender tonight. All to Jesus I surrender. That's really where we got to be. Just surrender it all. Guys, girls, we're nothing without Jesus Christ. We don't stand a chance. We're rowing against the storm, and all that we do, we're just going to get sore and achy and grumpy and hurt. Why? Surrender. Surrender to Jesus tonight, whatever you need to give to him. Maria and I gave something to him, and we're just excited to see what he does. Verse 14, therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. Remember the people in the crowd when Jesus was um, before Pontius Pilate. Do you remember what the crowd yelled? 
let his blood be upon us and our children. Wow. Wow. Crucify him. Let his blood be upon us and our children. Well, thank God it's available to them because that's the only way they're going to be saved. But look at here. These guys are praying, don't charge us with this innocent blood. For you, Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they were asking for forgiveness for what they were about to do. But the Lord knew their heart, and the Lord wanted this to happen. They were doing the Lord's will, even though they did not yet know the Lord. How about that? They were doing the Lord's will, even though they didn't know God yet. The true God. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea. And the sea ceased from raging. Calm. Calm. Jesus calms the storm. He can do it physically. He can do it spiritually. What's a storm in your life? He wants to calm that storm. He wants to be right in the middle of the storm. He was on that water. He was standing on the water. That's an impossible picture to see. He's standing on the Sea of Galilee. And he's saying, come to me. And you're thinking, well, Lord, if I get out of the boat, I'm going to sink. Come to me. I overcome the elements. I overcome the things in your life. Come to me. Take that step of faith and walk to me. Embrace me. Let me be your God. Let me be your Lord. Let me be your Savior. Peter did, and he walked on the water. But then there was a storm, and he looked at the winds, and he took his eyes off Jesus, and he started sinking. He said, help, I'm drowning. Help, help. Jesus picked him right up again. How many times have we said help throughout our lifetime, and Jesus picked us right back up and put us in the place that we needed to be? Because he loves us. He loves all people. Verse 16, then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, but that fear was a, a reverence. It was an awe. It was a respect. They feared the Lord exceedingly, like they were pumped. They said, look at this. Our gods didn't answer us. This God of this Hebrew, the one beyond, the one beyond our minds, the one beyond our spirits, the one who created the universe, calm the seas. They left their gods. Their gods didn't get them through the foxhole. And they embraced the God that did. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Jesus Christ. They embraced them. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and they took vows. They were saved. We're going to meet the, these mariners in heaven. Hey, Popeye, what was it like? What was it like when you were on the boat with Joni? You've got to tell me the story. Tell me again. I want to hear it. That must have been awesome. Tell me what you were thinking. And then you're, now you're my brother in Christ. We're brothers in heaven for eternity. There's some neat, guy, there's going to be neat girls and guys that we're going to be able to talk to in heaven. It's going to be awesome. Verse 17, now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. 17, verse 17, full of grace and mercy. Full of grace and mercy. Jonah, when he was thrown, I'll tread water for as long as I can. I'll try to swim back to Joppa, but that's a heck of a swim in this storm. They didn't even have the Olympics yet. How tired is he getting? He figures he's just going to drown and die and his life will be over. Now the Lord, now the Lord had prepared a great fish. The Lord has something prepared for you and me. Our God is a mighty God. He reigns from heaven above. He has something prepared for all of us. Regardless of the circumstances, good or bad, we're in right now. He's still working on all of us. We're not a finished product yet. He knows how to get us to that place he wants us to be. And he will send whatever it is in our life to swallow us up 
until we understand that he is Lord. And we see that Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. But remember, in the New Testament, Jesus verifies the story of Jonah by saying, just as Jonah was in the belly three days and three nights, so the Son of Man, me, will be in the tomb for three days and three nights. But remember what the apostles, they heard that. They didn't believe it. And they forgot about it when the crucifixion and the burial actually took place. What in God's word, as we close, what in God's word are you forgetting? What are you not holding on to? You and I can never get enough of his word. We can never get enough of it. Keep feeding your spirit, okay? Keep feeding yourselves the word of God over and over and over again. Because he uses his word. He uses his spirit to work from you from the inside out. Let's pray. You've been listening to To Every Generation from Calvary Chapel Crossfield. We're located at 15 Half Acre Road in Jamesburg, New Jersey. We meet for Bible study Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday service begins at 10.30 a.m. On Sundays, we have children's church for all ages in addition to infant and nursery care. You can find out more about the ministry here at Calvary Chapel Crossfields by going to cccrossfields.org. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you.